Hey everyone, it's another Cheese Chat with Matza Matt. Memories to renew and stories to inspire. I'm Matt Selby, your host. Today's podcast gives us another opportunity to seriously dive into some of the issues that are facing our youth today, the struggles, and in some cases, the uncertainty of knowing where their next meal is coming from. On the contrary, however, we're also going to talk about what the Boys and Girls Club of Central Minnesota is doing to help these youth by giving them a place to go after school, a meal to help them through, and in some cases, an adult to lend them a helping hand with their schoolwork. Mary Swingle, president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Central Minnesota, joins me today. She's been with the organization for just over two and a half years. Prior to joining the Boys and Girls Club, she spent 10 years in higher education administration and 15 years in K-12 education and administration. Plus, we're thrilled to be joined by Deb Nevesis. She is Mary's co-worker. Deb is the president, the vice president, rather, of resource development at the Boys and Girls Club, and she has been with the organization for 22 years, serving in various fundraising and event planning roles. Before her employment with the Boys and Girls Club, she was a divisional manager with G.R. Herbergers. Ladies, it's great to have you today. Thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me. Yeah, thanks, Matt. We're super excited to visit with you today. We are very excited to have you. And uh, again, before we start our conversations, we always enjoy a little brew pub, lots of matzo pizza, or one of the many brands that you can find with uh, Bernatello's Foods. And uh, today, a little birdie, Mary, told me that uh, the Chicken Alfredo was your favorite uh, brew pub, lots of matzo pizza. And Deb, this is uh, this is now kind of a new little staple in your life, the, uh, the brew pub, lots of matzo, because you just kind of figured it out uh, just recently that this is a fantastic pizza. Uh, th- Matt, that's true. <laughs> this morning, Mary and I were chatting, and we were talking about pizza, of course, in this podcast. And she mentioned that lots of matzo is a Bernatello brand, which I didn't realize approximately one month ago my husband bought some food for our cabin because we're opening it up for the season and it was a lots of matzo pizza actually two of them so we had one the friday night we got up there and we were both really impressed with it so impressed that when i got back to sartell where i live i um bought more of your lots of matzo pizzas (laughs) and they're in my freezer at home so i'm new to them but loving them so today is a real treat awesome and maria the chicken alfredo it's your fave Mm. oh it is uh by (laughs) far anything chicken and the lots of matzo chicken alfredo is by far the best you can get loaded with cheese and uh the alfredo sauce i kind of like that it's Mm -hmm. a it's got a really good flavor to it doesn't it no it is smooth that's a good description it's a it's a wonderful pizza so my daughter got us hooked on them and uh so that's what our family chooses now. So yeah, they're a wonderful choice. Can't beat it. That's fantastic. Yep. So the Brew Pub Lots and Lots of Pizza Chicken Alfredo is uh, is in the room with us. And uh, yeah, we just got done with a piece of that. But uh, you know, before we get into the discussion, ladies, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. And thank you so much for taking some time. Um, we want to talk obviously about the Boys and Girls Club of Central Minnesota. But before we do, let's let's just kind of lay the the background a little bit about how Bernatello's kind of came into a partnership with you guys here in uh, in St. Cloud. Um, Mary, can you kind of give us a little background on that? I know that one of the co-workers, one of my co-workers at Bernatello's kind of has a little bit of a history with uh, with your husband and mm-hmm. this and that, but kind of give us a background on how that relationship came to be. Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, uh, my husband did work with one of your, your co-workers um, a, a few years ago. So a, uh, just a phenomenal individual. 
Um, and my husband isn't bad either. So, um, <laughs> I love it. Um, but no, so had a relationship with him there. And then um, prior to me joining the Boys and Girls Club, uh, the Bernatello's Pizza had worked, I had worked with them and they had sponsored a four wheeler and ATV ride that was part of Tanner's Team Foundation okay. and provided pizzas for all of the ATV riders. And so um, I had built a relationship with them uh, through that. And then when I transitioned over here to the Boys and Girls Club and, um, you know, just the relationship continued to brew or to brew, <laughs> continued to grow. <laughs> um, and some of our board members are also have connections with various employees at Bernatello's Pizza. So it was just a natural relationship that grew out of that, um, especially with I know that Bernatello's is very committed to supporting the community and being an active member and, and working in supporting your community. So it was really a great alignment with the Boys and Girls Club and the Bernatello's pizza you know and we saw that kind of this last spring obviously with uh, with covid kind of uh, making its impact on the community and uh, your guys's organization itself and we'll dive into that in a little bit but um Bernatello's, we were able to donate a lot of pizza to you guys, to other boys and girls clubs around the the state. Um, our Hangry Bear Pizza is one of our K through 12 pizzas that we serve in schools. And uh, this last April, March, April, May time frame, uh, those pizzas really came in handy for you guys, didn't they? Absolutely. Uh, Bernatello's was actually able to donate um, over uh, just around 4,000 pizzas to the Boys awesome. and Girls Club. And not just to the Boys and Girls Club here in central Minnesota. So their donation of, I believe it was just under $18,000 worth of product, was distributed around the state of Minnesota and actually into some of the Boys and Girls Clubs in Wisconsin as well. Um, so the, the Boys and Girls Clubs in, in Minnesota, the entire state, and some of the Western um, clubs in Wisconsin all received large shipments of these pizzas that they were able to use as many of the clubs quickly transitioned into providing emergency meals and food for the kids and, and their families, as well as being able to have food um, in programs that they were offering. So it was huge. Not only did we get the product and the pizza from Bernatello's, but they also provided the shipping and coordinated the delivery to the club. So what an amazing support and gift for the clubs and especially for the families that needed it most during a really critical time. Awesome. So. And you know, uh, pizzas and kids, I mean, that, that pretty much goes hand in hand, right? <laughs> it really does. Pizza and everyone, I think. Go hand this is true. This is true. Awesome. Well, thanks for giving us that background a little bit, Mary. We appreciate it. So let's, let's just jump in. Deb, why don't we begin with you? Can you kind of give us a little bit, um, obviously you've been with the Boys and Girls Club of Central Minnesota for 22 years, a lot of time. Can you give us the lowdown on what the Boys and Girls Club does and what you're all about? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, Boys and Girls Clubs of Central Minnesota. We have two different programs at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, one are our three clubs, our Southside Eastside and Roosevelt Boys and Girls Clubs. They serve kids five through graduation from high school. Um, we're open from after school, usually about two o'clock until about nine o'clock at night. And you know what, Matt, I should clarify, I'm talking kind of pre-COVID. So our okay. programs have changed a lot in the last year, but sure. I'll just talk about sort of the, the what the Boys and Girls Club has looked like for the last 
you know, almost 22 years yeah. that I've been here. And then so, you can transition into what it looks like yeah, now. Yep. yep. And then Mary can talk a little bit about um, how we've had to change our programming very significantly due Great. to COVID. But um, so we have our three clubs serving kids five through 18, or excuse me, graduation from high school. Um, those clubs, as I said, are open until nine o'clock at night. That's where this meal program is a huge component. A lot of the kids coming to the club come after school, and then they don't necessarily go home for dinner with their families. They stay at the clubs, so they get snacks after school at the boys and girls clubs and then also a meal uh, as um you know as you mentioned earlier bernatello pizzas um so then we also operate our kid stop program so we're in three different school districts um at the time again pre-covid we had 15 different um sites i'm sorry i used to know this at the top of my head but then it's like okay wait a minute what happened there how did that change trying to keep all the numbers straight yeah yeah, yes which didn't used to be a problem but again the last year has seen a lot of changes for the club Mm -hmm. so those programs operate um in the schools as mary said three different school districts we serve about at the time, we were serving about 1,200 kids a day in our Kid Stop program, another 500 kids a day in our club program. So we were serving right before COVID up to 1,700 kids a day throughout central Minnesota. Wow. That's fantastic. What do the numbers look like now, Deb? What's I know that I in your script, if you look at it, we get into yeah. COVID later. But, you know, I just feel like maybe now is the time just to kind of talk We'll talk about the the role that you play in in the lives of these youth in just a minute. But let, let's talk about the last year. Yeah, I mean, this is, this last year had to have been really really difficult for you guys. Obviously, you know, fundraising. Deb, we'll talk to you about that. But tell me the the last year. What was that like for you guys, Mary? Well, absolutely. Um, our world did change, as did everybody's, uh, with the with the the pandemic when it hit. Uh, We were notified basically on a Sunday morning um, by the three local superintendents um, uh, or three school district superintendents that their schools were going to be closed down immediately effective Monday morning. And so our team rallied together. You know, we got the call and I said, absolutely, we will continue to provide programming and uh, the free child care for all of the essential workers that it was key in order to keep, you know, function going within the, the community. So we found out a Sunday morning. By Monday morning, we were up and running with a free program. Uh, we did not miss a single day. So our staff rallied together that Sunday afternoon to, to put together programming, safety protocols, get out the word, a marketing campaign immediately to all of the essential employees. And we were open in the St. Cloud, the Sartell, and the Sock Rapids School Districts Monday morning at 6 a.m., mm-hmm. taking in all essential worker children and doing it completely for free. So that was a real change. So we went from, as Deb said, serving over 1,700 kids a day to the next, you know, on Monday morning, serving about, uh, what did we end up, around three to 400 kids a day. And those were the kids that we were serving in per in person, um, and they were all essential workers' children. So... Hmm. We provided the care from 6 a.m. until about 6 p.m. or whenever the parents would pick them up with those kids immediately. Um, So, and that was a 
big change. We we had to close. Unfortunately, we did have to close down, you know, the actual physical clubs and things just because of the state mandates that were in place. Yeah. So we had to, to just recreate program overnight into one in each of the school district buildings. Um, and, and that was, you know, it was scary. The kids were scared. Their parents were, many of the parents were nurses and doctors, and they were working on the front line with COVID. Sure. And, you know, the, the you think about the kiddos, their entire world was, was turned upside down. And so that was pretty scary for them. Our staff were scared because everyone else was told they needed to stay home. Teachers were told they needed to stay home, but our staff were going in and working with them on the front line. So it, it was a big change. Mary Swingle, Deb Nevesis with me, Boys and Girls Club of Central Minnesota today here on Cheese Chat with Matsumat. How did the, the, the focus then change and what was the, uh, the the major change as you guys looked at the kids? Like what mentally are you like, okay, now we need to, did you change your mindset to then say, okay, these kids are going to have a whole new set of needs that we're going to meet? Did, did that go through or how did that transition on how you serve them? How did that go? I don't think at first, Matt, because it was just so overwhelming. I mean, typically, um, you know, if we've got something we're dealing with at work, then you don't have a whole bunch of personal worries and concerns about your own family kind of happening at the same time. And so I, I think personally, as you know, just most of us administrators here, there were just so many things happening on so many fronts that, you know, in terms of like mental health of kids at the very moment, I, I think what we were just trying to do is take care of our staff, take care of the kids, yep. take care of the community. So I think as, and again, Mary, this is just my thoughts on it, but as time evolved, then I think it became very apparent about some of the real mental health challenges that yeah. kids were having and academic concerns. But really that Sunday, it was just about getting programs up and running so that doctors and nurses and um, police officers, those frontline staff could get to work the next day. So I, I think it was later, mm -hmm. um, you know, as it sort of drug on and on. And yeah. I, I will say, Mary, remember at the beginning of this whole thing, we were kind of thinking, okay, the schools will close for two weeks and it'll, yep. and we'll get through yep. it and then we'll open up again and then everything will get back to normal. So I think at the beginning, at least me personally, I did not know what we were going to be dealing with I, and for how long. I think I agree because yeah. I, I remember thinking, ah, you know, this will yep. just be, it's just going to be a couple of weeks. We're going to exactly. flatten the curve. We're going to get that yeah. down and then we're going to get back to it. And then day after day after day after day and then you you kind of realize okay this is going to be this is going to be a yeah, little bit longer not going back to normal yeah exactly so so then with that over time how did your focus then with the kids mary how did that uh, change and what did you start to see yeah well right away you know it was the kids were scared the ki kids were nervous we um some of the kids were new to the boys and girls club um you know there were kids that historically hadn't been coming to the club and they had no place to go now and their parents had to get to work uh, in the front line and so you know we had to help welcome them in make sure as we do with all kids um, really making sure that each and every child is unique and individual and comes to us with their
their own story, their own needs, their own challenges, and really meeting that child where they were at. And at first, it was helping them feel comfortable and safe in a new environment with new friends. You know, if even if they were at a boys and girls club, they were in a different, maybe a different location with different friends, and now they're with all new kids. So really helping, you know, and that's a big, a big piece if you think about it. Even for us as adults, you get thrown into a group and you're meeting all new people. That's what's happening with these five, six, seven-year-old, you know, these little kids. So really helping them through that new friend making, that social emotional piece. And then all of a sudden they went back to the virtual learning. And when the virtual learning, you know, the first few days that wasn't the case. But when the virtual learning kicked in, um, now the kids are having to figure out and, and, and how do we how do we do this virtual learning? And it was new for the teachers too. So the teachers were struggling on how to teach virtually. The kids are struggling on how to learn virtually. They're going home and, you know, there are so many stories of they would get home and their mom or their dad would have to sleep in the garage in a tent because they were afraid of bringing the virus into their home. And you think about a child, you know, and we struggle to process it as an adult. Then you think about as a child, how do you process this when you can't go see daddy because he's sleeping in a tent in the garage? And, you know, you read these and you think, oh, that didn't really happen. But it did. And those are the stories that our kids would come and talk to us about. So being there to not only help the the youth with their academics, but being a safe place where they can talk about it. Um, You know, we are so grateful for some of our partnerships around the community. And um, at CentraCare, Dr. George Morris was a huge help for us where we could reach out and get questions around COVID and just get clarity on what was what is the reality and what is rumor um, and, and, you know, being able to bring him in to speak with virtually, but to speak with our team to, to help our team feel comfortable and confident in what they were doing, which, you know, the staff needed to have that confidence in order to help the kids. So it, it was a, an ongoing challenge. The longer it continued, the more we saw the social emotional changes, yeah. um, challenges in behavior, Um, then it's not just with the children. When their parents would come in, oftentimes the parents are sharing things with our staff, so they're listening and helping the parents as well. So, you know, it's not just the the child or the kiddos, it's the whole family unit that we found ourselves in a really unique position where we are supporting um, a a lot of different aspects that we had never done before. Wow. Really quickly about yeah, that too. Add on a to lot that. of our, um, well, in in addition to what our kids were going through, our staff, um, you know, we're thinking of our full time staff, but a lot of our staff here are part time college student staff, and they're not that old either. So then mm-hmm. we've got all of our staff who are really scared um, as well, and their lives have been really significantly disrupted, um, especially as a college student. A lot of the colleges closed; they got sent home and. Um, and then a lot of our staff rely on their hours at the Boys and Girls Club, you know, to make their rent and tuition payments and those type of things. So the mm-hmm. fact that we were employing a lot less people um, was certainly very mm-hmm. stressful for our staff. You know, I can remember, um, as you mentioned, Mary, just moments ago, that n- not only was it difficult on on adults, I can remember, you know, April, sometime in there where you're, I just kind of felt we were coming out of winter, I think, and, you know, you kind of had that... I can't wait for spring and just kind of the winter doldrums. And I remember feeling like 
how in the world, as an adult, I didn't think I was handling it well. I can't, I can't even begin to fathom how kids were dealing with this because mentally they're not at the same place, obviously, of, of an adult. And so I have to imagine that you guys, weeks in and weeks out, went home exhausted. Yep. And absolutely still, still, (laughs) yeah, we have not, we did not take a single day off. So we have been going nonstop. Um, The first month when we look back at it, the first month, you know, I think, especially for the, the administrative team, we were probably on our computers and phones for 12 to 18 hours a day we hardly slept because things were changing and transpiring so quickly and we had to update and change and implement and you know even just simple things like uh, activities that we would do with the kiddos for example if they had playing cards you couldn't use that anymore because they had to be sanitized so we had to come in and you know um, laminate every single thing so that it could be sanitized after each child touched it and and putting everything in groups because kids couldn't move they had to be with that same group so you know it was a lot of behind the scenes things that we had to do just to make sure that our program staff had the materials and supplies that they needed during the time and that's just for the kids that were in the program now you think of the thousand because in general pre-covid we were serving over seven thousand kids they didn't all come every day so every day we'd see about 1700 but we would deal with 7,000 kids. So if you think about the thousands of kids that now were not in our program, what are they doing? They were dependent upon us that Friday and that Monday they couldn't come. And those kids were immediately, we're like, we have to figure out a solution to work and support these kiddos Mm. that we cannot bring into our program right now. And so we went to work immediately on a virtual program. So even though we know the kids are sick of virtual, that's how we could connect with them. So put together a virtual program where we could connect with kids. We were bringing in staff and training them on how to do outreach and tutoring and academic support and social emotional support support for the kids either over the phone and in because of safety procedures and and expectations we have you know we never have a one-on-one with a child so you know we have groups of our staff working with kids to support them and the multilingual you know we have so many kids that speak multiple languages when all of a sudden they're learning online and their parents aren't able to help them because the parents can't read they don't know, you know, they're not getting that support that they would in the school. So bringing in staff to work with our youth in multilingual mm. languages yep. virtually or over the phone, it was, um, it just, it, it was around the clock literally for the first, at least the first month, just trying to get all of these programs up and going to be able to work with those kiddos. Wow. And then this is where Bernatello's came in huge we realized too within you know the first first couple days it was survival just how do we get the program up and running and then it was you know deb and i and our board we started talking about this isn't going to end in two weeks so within Mm -hmm. the first week we were already okay we've got to get the virtual program up and running with these kids and we have to get meals into the the bellies of these kids you know the schools were doing a breakfast and lunch program which is great but they don't have dinner. They didn't have food for the weekend. Um, and that's where the Boys and Girls Club stepped in. And, and Bernatello's right away, you know, when you reached out and said, hey, we have this product, can you use it? <laughs> you know, we were like, thank you. Awesome. Um, awesome. And, and so within a couple of weeks, we had the meal program up and running where we were giving out 20,000 meals 
um, a month wow. to kids, and that was for their dinner and or the evening meal, um, an evening snack, and then the weekend meal. So hmm. um, the the needs of these kids and the families in our community are in the impact that it will have for years moving forward is something that you know we still are working with every single day so that's one question that i have uh pre-covid and even during covid what do you guys see or what was or what is the biggest need of a kid when they come to the boys and girls club might be a tough question. Well, There's a probably probably several answers. I don't even know if we answers. can say one. I, I mean, what jumps to my mind, Mary, is probably right now academic um, success um, or assistance with achieving academic success. A lot, a lot of kids have fallen behind in school. The the e-learning format has worked for some kids. It hasn't worked for others. Um, a lot of kids haven't had the support that they've needed to be successful and are slipping behind. So we're really stepping up our summer academic success programs this year through a Boys and Girls Clubs of America program called Summer Brain Gain. Oh, cool. So we've run that before, but never to the degree that we're going to be running it now because we know kids have fallen behind in schools. Everybody knows that. Um, but like Mary said, social emotional health, that's very significant right now as well. So I don't even think I could pick just one issue right now it seems like it's multiple issues on every front okay well and and it's physical activity as well you know that's a huge piece oh for sure you think about your academics you think about your social emotional when when kids and adults i mean we we, the adults are stuck in our houses (laughs) when you're stuck in your house you're on your phone you're staring at your screen you know you're not up moving around (laughs) that not only impacts the social emotional but you're yeah. physical and you know I thought it was pretty funny I had a, a, a daughter who was a senior in high school last year when this hit and I remember she came and, and told my husband and I sh- that she said she doesn't want to text anybody ever again she <laughs> just she? 18, 18. <laughs> wow, I really don't, I don't you want write to. that down yeah, write I know that down. we have she's like I am so sick of my phone and my computer I just want to talk to people wow. you know and then that that communication piece where all of a sudden youth are getting comfortable to communicating online when you think about workforce development and career you know their their futures that interpersonal communication that soft skill that communication you know face to face is a huge piece so we really focus on trying to meet every child with where their needs are and address each one as an individual Mary Swingle, Deb Nebesis with the Boys and Girls Club of the of Central Minnesota right here in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Thank you so much, ladies, for taking the time to talk to me and really give us an insight on, on what's going on in the lives of our youth. Do you guys uh, consider the Boys and Girls Club an extension of a parental role in the lives of uh, these kids? Or are you do you assume the role of, uh, of being a friend? Like, where do you how do you think you guys fit into the lives of kids? I would say a partnership, wouldn't you, Mary? A partnership with parents, a partnership with our school districts and our teachers, a partnership with social service and our our, um, law enforcement. So I really don't see us serving a primary role for all of those pieces, but really just helping probably each of those pieces be successful in working with our kids. We can't do it by ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's just, there's too many kids, there's too many needs. 
Um, so we really all need to partner together in order to make sure our kids are getting what they need. Yeah. So that's kind of how yeah. I see it. But. Yeah, and like in the in the club or in the programs, you know, we provide the structure, the discipline, the the career or academics, you know, the the more of the foundational piece of it, but also our staff are you know, so that's kind of the parent side, but then at the same time, the friend side where these kids will open up and share things with us that they may not share with their kiddo or with their parents. Um, So it it is kind of a combination of both, Um, you know, where you think about the parent is really the structure, but kids may not open up and, and share some things that really are heavy on their heart necessarily with their parents where they will with us. And then that's where the relationship and trust with the with the parents and you know various organizations and, and individuals as Deb spoke of really come to play. And that's where, you know, doing training and making sure you're hiring the right staff to be able to do that. That's a unique yeah. piece. Um, very unique. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's probably some. So when you guys get like a new, a new young go, boy or a young girl that comes to the club, is there kind of a little bit of an evaluation that uh, you know they come, you guys kind of get to know them a little bit, and then you kind of get together as a staff and say, okay, I really think that this kid needs this or this kid needs this. Is that kind of how it works, or is it they just come, kind of make their friends and do this thing here? And I mean, obviously you guys are hands on, but is that kind of what you do to kind of help meet those needs yeah yes perfect yeah. You, you've nailed it matt awesome well that's good and then i got a great understanding we expand on it but i think you've summed it up beautifully yeah. all right awesome well let me just tell you i was reading the uh, the mission statement i actually love it because uh this is what it says i was reading this on the boys and girls club of uh, of america and it says enables all young people especially those that need us most to reach their full potential as productive caring and responsible citizens i just that's great i love it so what does it mean to you guys and uh, maybe you can share a story with me what does it mean when you guys have an alum of the boys and girls club when they come back and you get a chance to see the fruit of your labor do you have a story that uh that maybe somebody has come back after you know 10 15 years or whatever and they're in their you know, mid twenties, mm-hmm. upper twenties, whatever, and they're like, "Thank you, thank you for what yeah. you did." Do you have some stories like that that you can share yeah, with us? Yeah, I think we both do. Even though Mary's yeah. been here two and a half years, you, you don't have to work here very long to start to quickly see the impact that the Boys and Girls Club has on our kids and our families. But we've got lots of different ones. I'm sure you're thinking of Jeremiah. I'm thinking of a. a actually, there's just a lot of different stories, Matt, where kids come back, adults come back. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, who had been helped by the Boys and Girls Club, and it's all sorts of different reasons. We've served kids who struggle, you know, economically, their families struggle. Um, kids that struggle with, um, uh, you know, all sorts of things, challenges in school, abuse, those type of issues. Um, so yeah, the Boys and Girls Club for a lot of kids is a wonderful enhancement program for a lot of kids, though it's also a very much of a safe house for them. Yeah. So that um, that has really changed their lives. And the Boys and Girls Clubs of America did a really large study a number of years ago, and it was called Saving Lives. And they had found um, like 58% of alumni had said that the Boys and Girls Club had saved their lives, literally saved their lives. So, oh. And we've seen those kind of stories locally as well. But there's one really quite recently that we've been talking about, Jeremiah, um, with our Career Start program, if you want to talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, no, one of, you know, one of the pieces that, like Deb said, you know, have, oh, having only worked here for about two and a half years, it really doesn't take long. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about the Boys and Girls Club is, yes, I may be, um, 
in the in the administrative side and in the office but I step out of my office I go through one door and I'm in program with the kids and you can connect with the the kiddos immediately but when you have a, a youth that goes through the program graduates goes on to school is currently in school you know getting a 4.0 you know is going to do great things in the future you just see them shining it is I mean it's just so exciting it's so rewarding and it makes it makes it all worth it um, we've got some youth that have there's one in particular that I'm just thinking of that was a graduate a few years ago um, went on to school is working a professional in their career and is now serving on some of our committees within awesome. you know to help drive the the organization forward cool. um, we have so many youth that have gone through the program went on to school for education education or other human services type programs and are back working in the program or are now working at another boys and girls club around the country. There are just so many of these stories or, you know, they went on and had a successful career in the military or whatever it may be. Um, and it is, it's, you know, it, it brings tears to your eyes when you see them achieving their dream and then they come back and they want to volunteer or they come in awesome. and, and help inspire other youth to follow them. It's there, there is nothing like it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the most rewarding experience there is. So, yeah. Cool. I love it. You know, I remember when I was uh, I was a kid, my parents always went into uh, parent-teacher conferences and the parents or the teachers were always like, oh, great kid, but man, he just won't be quiet. He just won't <laughs> shut his mouth. He's so loud. He's always talking. I'm like, well, now I do it for a career. But is there is there a, a young a young man or young woman that you can remember that kind of gave you a little bit of a challenge here at the Boys and Girls Club that uh, now has come back and maybe they've used their personality or they've used their stubbornness or whatever to kind of get to where, you know, they needed to be? Do you have a, an example? of that oh, well, <laughs> probably more examples than we can name and that's not exclusive to boys and girls club kids yeah. that is so many kids. i know isn't probably that the truth even our yeah. own kids yeah. so um but no lots of examples like that where um you know what the what the boys and girls club really does is it takes it takes some of the um you know maybe some of the natural tendencies of our kids and really builds on them helps kids and again this isn't just club kids it's all kids but finding a really positive outlet for those type of things if you're really loud and boisterous and talkative person there's a there are some really good careers for you yeah. let us help you find those so <laughs> That's right. it's really just connecting kids with the right staff and the right programs so that the things that maybe when they're younger don't seem like such a positive can really turn into one of their greatest assets for their future. Hmm. So. Interesting. Mary, any thoughts on that? Oh, I would completely agree. I just kind of laugh. We have a, another long-term employee. Um, Jerry Bechtold is our VP of operations. And so she has been with us well over 30 years. And um, I just get a kick out of almost weekly. She'll say, oh, Mary, I ran into this person. And they were a member, you know, 25 years ago and I ran into them and they're doing this now and she, you know and she'll say like I'm, I didn't even recognize them and they came up to me and you know they gave me a big hug and said that you changed my life and they were just so excited to see her you know and that's you know from from 25 years ago they were wow. a kid and the impact that it has I know that when I announced where I used to work that I was leaving there and coming to the Boys and Girls Club so many of the students that I worked with at, at that institution you know came and they were started sharing stories with me right 
right away of how the Boys and Girls Club impacted them. Cool. And so even before I set foot in the in the organization here, you know, I was just feeling so positive about it because so many people just come forward with these positive stories of the impact and what the staff had or they'll reach out and say hey does so-and-so still work there they were you know they changed my life and and you think about you know when you go through what legacy do you want to leave in this world when you know in your own personal life it is amazing and it's just it's something unreal to be able to contribute and be part of that and you know that's for our staff that work with it we also have just as many you know community members and that may not not feel inclined to necessarily work hands-on with the kids, but they get involved through donations or volunteering and 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 helping to make that happen. And and you know, I think knowing my experience with Bernatello's and in the culture of that organization, um, you know, it's not just about pizzas. It's mm-hmm. it's about the legacy and the impact in the community. And so we do have a lot of people that do that. Um, you think about even the donation that over this last Christmas, I, I don't, I'm assuming you're aware of it, but the employees at Bernatello's did a huge drive for our organization, and it was so amazing. Awesome. Um, we get a lot of donations at Christmas time that are passed through. They give them to us, coats, boots, which our families desperately need. Yeah. The Bernatello's team went together and did a supply drive for the program. So they brought in thousands and thousands of dollars worth of materials that we can use with the kiddos in program. And, you know, that is huge because what, you know, what are you doing with the kids all day? And so when they're bringing in activities, games, resources, crayons, whatever, you name it, we sanitizing COVID PPE things, you know, you name it, we got it from them. And, you know, just the impact that that has on the thousands of kids we work with, Um, you know, and they didn't even stop there. Not only did we receive thousands and thousands of dollars worth of supplies, but they raised funds as well. And and they gave a $5,000 check. So, Mm. you know, there are ways that people can contribute and have that same impact on the lives, even if they don't want to be, you know, working hands on with the kids. It's just it's unreal the impact that it has in the life changing impact on the kids. Yeah, that's great stuff. I love it. Uh, and and Deb, I know that you are kind of with the fundraising part of the organization, planning events, and we were talking just a little bit before we went on for for uh, for outgoing people like you and I and Mary. You know, this yeah. last year, it was hard, but uh, you know, obviously a lot of events canceled in 2020. Yes. How are things looking in 2021? And did you see businesses, kind of a two-tiered question, did you see some, obviously businesses, Bernatello's stepped up, but was 2020, 2020 I bet a lot of businesses stepped up and said, hey, we're going to be willing to help you guys? Yes, um, kind of. <laughs> okay, okay. There, there's a lot to that to that answer. But 2020, you know, right after COVID sort of closed us down in, in resource development, we were thinking we are done. We are not going to raise any money in 2020 because businesses are closing, families are stressed, people are very uncertain. They're, you know, those type of environments don't typically lend themselves to people being incredibly generous. Yep. And I, I know this because of the whole recession in 2008, 9 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. <laughs> you know, I mean, that really hung with nonprofits. It, 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 we did not recover as quickly from that. So the factors seemed similar. So we were really very uneasy. One thing we did right away is we really managed our expenses. So we immediately looked at our programs and decided what do we keep? 
what can go. You know, we did lay off a lot of our employees so that they could move on to unemployment, which at the time actually was much better for our employees. So we, re- we dramatically reduced our payroll. We shuttered our buildings so that, you know, we weren't paying as much to keep our buildings open sure. and those kind of things. So, yep. so we did a lot on that end. But then what we were seeing is our fundraising was different, but it was actually pretty robust and pretty good. So we didn't spend as much time um, with individuals um, directly, like how we would typically fundraise. Come on into a club, walk through, let's talk about the programs. Um, but what we were seeing is sort of the legacy of all of the good work of the Boys and Girls Club really showed up last year. So people who have been connected with the club for a long time, our trustees, our board of directors, a lot of community organizations, they realized that the Boys and Girls Club was one of really at the time few organizations that were still serving youth in the community uh, and that's not anybody's fault it's just we we had the we really had the relationships with the schools we're already in the schools to really take on that role so that was really rewarded from a lot of individuals and corporations in our community mm-hmm. and the other thing um, Matt unprecedented unprecedented amount of um, government funding was available last year. The different variations of the CARES Act had dollars in them to help organizations like the Boys and Girls Clubs. Mm -hmm. So we were able to to bring in a number of grants through that as well, which really carried our organization through 2020. It actually, in development, ended up being a very positive year, which it had to be because our fee-based service, which is our kids stop programs, that was essentially closed down. So so really we stepped up in development or, or resource development in a, in a little bit different way than we ever have before. Um, and we wouldn't have been able to do that without this incredibly generous community. So, wow. And again, the, hmm. the government grants were incredibly helpful and managing expenses. So yeah. That's fantastic. So uh, Mary Swingle, Deb Nebesis with me today from the Boys and Girls Club of Central Minnesota. Uh, where do we stand now? Uh, where do we stand for the Boys and Girls Club here in uh, in St. Cloud? How are things looking? Are we starting to bring back some of the staff? Um, our oh. kids, like, oh, well, oh, as far oh, as all that. I better get in here right away and say <laughs> I did not clarify that very well. Okay. So, okay, thank you for yes. bringing that up. So we did, as we said, when this thing started in, in March, we did reduce our staff yep. dramatically, closed our programs, opened those three emergency care programs. We ran those programs March through the very beginning of June. And then in June of 2020, we opened the rest of our programs. Oh. So we brought back our staff Good. a little bit slowly, maybe not serving as many kids because of the social distancing um, issues and some of those things. But we actually started in June building back up again. And right now, we're not quite at 250 staff. I think we're at least I saw Mary between 200 and 225 but all of our programs for the most part I want to say that we we do have two programs that we haven't opened um, again but for the most part we're up and running and I feel extremely optimistic about 2021. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for clarifying yeah, that. Sorry. We both we got, our eyes got big. Oh, oh no, no, no. Um, and, and so we did have to, we did bring our staff back um, as soon as we possibly could. And because of the requirements, the group sizing, the, the fact that kids were not able to move um, around um, and we wanted the kids to be grouped according to their grade level for academic learning. Uh, we did have smaller ratios for for the youth to staff um, 
so, you know, the expense of that drastically increased because instead of having, you know, 15 kids with one youth because we were doing them by grade level, it may have been significantly different, you know, maybe five or six kids with one staff. Um, so the the expense side of it definitely came back. So we are so incredibly grateful for those that did step up and help us and the, the funding that came through was was so important and we are feel you know just so blessed because we we were able to tap into community resources um support um safety ppe resources our board of directors were phenomenal in supporting it and then we we actually were able to help a lot of organizations around the state um, learn or share what we learned through the process so that they could open back up and cool. to share what we had learned with the school district. So when they went back in person in the fall to share what, you know, what we had already gone through with staff being nervous and kids being nervous. And, you know, one of the questions that people used to say is, you know, our kids started wearing masks um, right away. Kids will never wear masks. Well, Quite honestly, the kids adapted to it easier than, uh, you know, our stubborn adults, and I would be one of those. So, um, you know, just how we worked through it, and, and luckily we were able to share that with our community and help others kind of work through that process as well. And we did not knock on this not-so-real-wood-wood wood <laughs> table. Um, we did not have an outbreak in any of our programs. Awesome. So That's so great. You know, the That's kids, great. the staff. Um, the parents, everybody really took took to heart the safety precautions and did what they needed to do to make sure that our kids were in a safe environment. So Th- That might answer this question, but as you look at it with your staff, what over this last year are you most proud of? Our staff. I was going to say our <laughs> staff. You know, the staff, I, I just cannot tell you how proud I am. I know that they put their fear in their back pocket and they walked in that next day and they addressed it and you know there were so many times there were so many tears and and we provided you know as much support as we could with you know additional the social emotional support for our staff they are so dedicated and they said they know that they need to do this and they stepped up and they did it Mm -hmm. and you know being a nonprofit, we're not an organization where you can give the staff the big extra bonus pay for emergency you know a lot of businesses were paying i don't even remember they called it like the the extra stipend per hour or something you know being a non-profit hazard pay pay, thank you you know we we were worried about you know just (laughs) making sure we could keep our doors open and the financials going and we couldn't do that and that did not stop our staff wow we did not lose any staff because of that they worked through their fears they supported each other and they they have been there from day one to support those kids and their parents and the community i just I can't tell you how incredibly proud I am of our team. As a team and as a staff, have you just seen you guys come together in a way that you've never seen before? Like, has there been a bond, if you will, through this all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we really, you know, unfortunately, we did go through a little bit of a reorganization as far as how we structure our programs. And as Deb spoke about earlier, having the kids stop in the club, we really came together as one program, even though they may be kids stop and club, where the staff um, are closer now working together, sharing ideas, sharing resources, um, sharing best practices. And I mean, they've been through something 
Um, that's intense. And anytime you take a group yeah. of people through a really intense experience, they bond in a way yeah. that that is wouldn't happen otherwise. Yeah. Um, we just had a meeting a couple weeks ago with our staff, and we just said, you know, we want to share what are things that you don't want to lose that that are takeaways from the COVID experience in, in our, you know, because we're just now transitioning back into normal, what, what we would call normal. Sure. I, I mean... <laughs> quote unquote, normal programming. But what are the pieces that you want to continue to make sure that we do not lose? And the number one app answer of all of the staff was the teamwork and the way that they came together. You know, one of the things when we go through a difficult time in life, we learn a lot about ourselves and it can either a help us grow in a great way or we can turn against what we think we should do. And when we go through those difficult things, Sometimes, you know, hopefully at the end of the tunnel, there's the light and you can start to see things getting better. But if we can hold on to those changes that make us into a better person, then that's what's going to make things go forward. And I can just tell from your staff the way that they set aside maybe their fears, their discomfort to love on these kids. Mm -hmm. That is the key. Mm -hmm. Kids need love and they need to know that they are wanted. They need to know that they are um, accepted. And that sounds like that's exactly what you're doing here mm-hmm. and give them the time. And, and as, as crazy as things may be at home, as crazy as things may be in school or wherever they can come here and know that, Hey, you guys are going to love them for who they are and help them. And that mm-hmm. I think hopefully in a nutshell, did I just describe the you boys and girls? Club? You did it again, Matt. <laughs> yep. Spot on. Oh, Matt, well, we're going to interview you now. Apparently, well, no, as much as we do. I'll you want to come work for <laughs> us. Oh, you know, it's I. I just love your your vision. I love what you're doing, and that's Bernatello's Cheese Chat with Matt. Matt, we're about uh, changing lives and making an impact in people's lives, and that's what you guys are doing. And I applaud you because this last year there were probably times where you're like, oh. How are we going to do this? Or seriously, <laughs> I got to tell you, when you Many said times. when you said putting um, not plastic around those cards, what did you put around oh, the cards? Laminating. Like, laminating yeah. cards. Oh, my goodness. A hundred like, decks of cards. A hundred decks of cards. I got to tell you. you know how many cards are in a deck? 52. <laughs> that was 5,200 cards. After probably card 1,000, I would have been like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Why am I doing this? But... Every one of those kids' face was probably in the mind of your staff, and they kept on doing it, and they kept on doing it. And that is that is what drives you guys. And so I applaud you. We applaud you at Bernatello's Foods and uh, Brew Pub Lots and Matzo Pizza. Thank you for everything that uh, you guys are doing. Anything else uh, you want to add before uh, we wrap up Cheese Chat, you guys can go ahead and you got the floor. So take it away. No, we just really you know appreciate so much, appreciate the partnership and the continued um, support and that that you have provided for not just Central Minnesota Boys and Girls Club, but all of the Boys and Girls Clubs and the other organizations. I know that you are very supportive in a variety of different um, organizations, um, especially around the Midwest, and it's so impactful. It takes all of all of the organizations it takes all of our business community to really lean in come together and support to make the difference in the lives of these kiddos and that's our future 
you know, these kiddos are our future. So anything we put into them to, to helping is going to pay dividends for for us and everyone. Yep. So thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. And now we just, uh, we hope and pray that the, the goodness that's been extended to them, they will realize it. And as they grow and they get older, they're going to think back to how people cared for them and took care of them. And then they, in turn, will do the same exact thing to others. Exactly. Pay it forward. That's what it's all about. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. I certainly do appreciate it. Uh, Deb Nemesis and Mary Swingle uh, with the Boys and Girls Club of Central Minnesota here on Cheese Chat with Matza Matt, Memories to Inspire and Stories to Renew. Another fantastic conversation. Um, thank you so much again, ladies, for being with me. Thank you. Thank you we'll see you next time.